The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. If a retailer wants to discourage customers from using credit cards, it can offer a discount for cash or it can impose a surcharge for using a card. If those sound like the same thing, well, they're not under a New York law that went before the U.S. Supreme Court today. New York is one of 10 states that bar merchants from imposing surcharges on top of the regular prices. New York says its law, which carries criminal penalties, protects consumers from hidden charges that show up only at checkout. But to some merchants, the laws are a sop to the credit card industry and a free speech violation. Retailers pay the credit card industry $50 billion a year in so-called swipe fees, and they say being able to impose a surcharge and to call it a surcharge would be an especially effective way to tell their customers about the cost of credit cards and discourage their use. With us today to discuss the issue and the arguments before the Supreme Court are two people who've weighed in on the case. Rebecca Tushnet is a law professor at Georgetown University, and she signed a brief defending the law. And Jonathan Adler, a law professor at Case Western Reserve, signed a brief on the side of the retailers in the case. Welcome to you both. Uh, Rebecca, let me start with what may end up being a controversial subject. Can you just tell us what this law actually does? Well, so this is actually one of the uh, larger issues looming, um, which is uh, what the uh, what conduct the law prohibits. Um, at the end of this litigation, New York has taken the position that the the only thing it really prohibits is putting one price on, say, the package or the shelf, and then charging an additional price when you go up to the counter. Um, the, if you try and use a credit card. Uh, however, there have been uh, different interpretations in the past. Sometimes uh, New York has tried to say that it uh, prohibits um, listing two prices, but saying that one is a credit card sur- surcharge. So, Jonathan, if the law says you can't impose a surcharge, how is that a violation of First Amendment rights? Well, the violation of First Amendment rights is not uh, a limit limiting the way retailers charge consumers or the prices they charge. Uh, What raises First Amendment implications is making conduct criminal based on how it's described. And and that's the way that that New York has actually enforced this law and and imposed it on retailers. And if that's the way New York wants to enforce the law, then We've argued in our brief that the law should be subject to First Amendment scrutiny and should be evaluated uh, under the standards that are applied. I believe we lost that line. So, Greg, next question for Rebecca. (laughs) Okay. Well, Rebecca, let me ask you, do you agree with Jonathan uh, that there is a speech component to this law, or is it purely regulation of, of conduct, which, which of, co- of course, a, a state has more latitude to do? Right. So um, it, it may depend on exactly how uh, you describe what the law is trying to do. So uh, I think probably the best way to understand the general class of laws here is 
kind of uh, a consumer protection measure. And as a consumer protection measure, it does have some relationship to uh, speech. Uh, but the idea is to prevent people from getting surprised by an extra charge at the register, um, maybe when they don't have enough cash on them uh, to avoid the charge. Um, and uh, in that case, uh, it's a perfectly fine regulation of how you tell people what the price is. Uh, setting the price, of course, is just conduct. And then depending on how you frame the law, it may just be a regulation about how you set the price. So um, uh, there are a lot of situations where it's important for a regulator to know what the price of a good is. And the act of setting a price is not speech. It's, it's economic conduct. Greg, you were at the hearings today. And from your article, it seemed as if some of the justices were confused about the law. They they were confused about the law. There was a lot of back and forth. Uh, some of the justices, including Elena Kagan and, and Sonia Sotomayor, you know, started off by saying, I look at this law and there's nothing in here about speech. It is just conduct of the type that, that Rebecca was discussing. Uh, but but la- later on, they sort of use that, some justices use that uh, against the state. Uh, Justice Kennedy, for example, said, well, maybe the issue here is that this law is too vague, which is another reason uh, th- that a law could be declared unconstitutional. Uh, so, uh, you know, I left the argument, especially with an eight-justice court where where you have to get, get uh, five out of the eight to, to, to get a, a ruling that applies across the country. I left the argument very much uh, unclear how the court was going to come out in this case. So, Rebecca... Does it really matter what you call it? If, if you go up to a register and it says discount for cash, doesn't that hit the consumer you know, equally as if, if they say, well, uh, surcharge for credit cards? What, what's the difference? So it depends. Uh, if there was one price on the sticker you know, at the, uh, when you picked it up, uh, if you get up to the register and they say, hey, actually, we'll give you a 3% discount if you pay with cash, that's a happy surprise. It doesn't really implicate any consumer protection questions. Um, it, it, it doesn't fool you into acting in a way that would be against your interest. If there's one price on the package and you go up to the register and pull out your credit card and they say, oh, actually, it's going to be 3% more than that, that raises false advertising concerns. You've been sort of baited. Uh, into thinking you're going to get one thing, and at the counter they switch to a different higher price. So uh, they are, in some sense, uh, identical in terms of the ultimate price if you set them right, but uh, they offer different opportunities for surprise uh, and potentially harm. The other thing, um, and this is a controversial part of the case, is that a lot of people think that People react differently when you describe something as a discount versus as a surcharge. People uh, really hate surcharges, uh, and so it may affect their behavior more if you describe the thing as a surcharge. Uh, I'm a little skeptical of this, at least in the way that New York now says its law will operate, because New York says as long as you show them the two prices, you can describe it as anything you want. You can call it a cabbage as long as before they get up to the register, they know that there'll be a difference based on whether or not they use a credit card or cash. 
We're talking about the Supreme Court arguments today on New York's ban on retail surcharges for credit card transactions, or at least uh, descriptions of those charges as surcharges. Uh, our guests are Rebecca Tushnet, a law professor at Georgetown Law, and Jonathan Adler, a professor at Case Western Reserve School of Law. Jonathan, I understand that it was an ice storm in, in Cleveland that knocked you out. Um, I'm glad you're glad you're with us again. Um, wh- while you were um, shivering in the cold, Rebecca was making the point that you can look at this. She said you can look at this New York law basically as a consumer protection. It protects consumers from being surprised when they get to uh, the cash register uh, by an extra charge for for their credit card. If that's what this law is, why isn't it constitutional? Well, I think we need to distinguish two issues with regard to this sort of law. First is whether or not uh, what's going on is the regulation of speech. And then there's a secondary question of, if it's a regulation of speech, is it nonetheless permissible? So there are all sorts of laws governing disclosure, uh, laws designed to prevent fraud or to prevent consumers from being deceived or misled that regulate speech that are nonetheless permissible. Uh, the primary issue in this case is the, is the earlier question of whether or not a law that in operation and as it's enforced primarily focuses on the way retailers describe their pricing and describe their commercial practices should be evaluated as merely economic regulation or as the regulation of speech. And, and I think because in practice, the way this law has been enforced and operated is to uh, control or have an effect on the way retailers describe their practices, that um, it should be evaluated as a regulation of speech and should then only be upheld if it can be justified as a way of preventing consumer deception. Rebecca, labels do matter for consumers. There's no doubt that we've seen cases over, you know, calling something healthy as opposed to as opposed to saying what what it really is about. There there are tons of uh, cases like that. But is this really about labels for consumers or or is it about just making sure that they know what they're what's happening? Right. So, um the the Thing, uh, so Jonathan's description of what this case is really about um, is sort of one view of it, and that's what makes it really tricky and perhaps explains some of the um, confusion and disagreement on the justices um, that was described at oral argument, because um, it really does depend on how you approach it. So if you look at the language of the statute itself, it says retailers shall not impose a surcharge. So in one sense, that's just an action. But then how do you know if they've imposed a surcharge? Um, sometimes you may need to look at what they say uh, to figure that out, although I think that's not really the key to it. I mean, to me, uh, the key is whether, you know, before you start on your purchase journey, uh, you know that there's a credit card price. Um, and I think that's reasonably uh, described as a regulation of conduct. Um, One of the reasons this is controversial is because there's a lot of things where uh, economic conduct is carried out through speech. And so uh, if we are sloppy about how we describe this, um, or if the Supreme Court speaks really broadly, that says any time you talk about prices, that speech, then a lot of economic conduct suddenly becomes analyzed under the First Amendment. 
Um, and I think both sides are in agreement that we need uh, some way to sort this out. Jonathan, we've only we've only got about uh, thirty seconds left. But but one thing the New York lawyer for the state of New York said today was uh, that that the law does not apply to a situation where a retailer just has two prices up there. Here's the credit price. Here's the cash price. Does that help matters from your standpoint? Uh, potentially, although there is some dispute about uh, what New York has said versus the way it's been enforced. The one thing I think people need to keep in mind is that even the United States and in, in the federal government in the brief it submitted that this should be analyzed as a speech regulation, while at the same time arguing that many regulations that are designed to provide this type of consumer protection would, in in the federal government's view, still withstand First Amendment scrutiny. So the First Amendment question and what type of regulation is allowed question are distinct questions. I want to thank our guests, Jonathan Adler of Case Western Reserve School of Law and Rebecca Tushnet of Georgetown Law. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.